Uh, hello and welcome to another episode of Keep It Civil, an engineering podcast from UCL's Department of Civil, Environmental and Geomatic Engineering. Uh, today we'll be talking about the past, present and future of transports. And joining us to help tackle such a large topic is Dr. Clemence Cavalli, a research associate at the Centre of Transport Studies. Um, the Centre for Transport Studies is a multidisciplinary research centre at UCL uh, and this year celebrated its 50th anniversary. Uh, so today we'll be discussing some of the highlights from the last 50 years and assessing current and future challenges and op- opportunities problem, in urban transport. So welcome Clemence. Thank you. Uh, so first off, how did the CTS celebrate its 50th birthday uh, and was there a cake? <laughs> to, so to celebrate the CTS 50th anniversary, we organised a one-day conference followed by a party. There wasn't a cake, but there was a, an orchestra, and it was <laughs> great fun. Um, and during the, the the day, the day was actually divided into three parts. Mm-hmm. The morning we focused on the past, past of transport. We had a range of uh, very senior. Um, speakers who are old enough to remember what transport was like in the 50s and the 60s, 70s and, and 80s. Okay. And so we also had some, uh, a politician and range of academics. In the afternoon, we focused on the present, so present, current challenges in the transport world. Mm-hmm. And in the, in the late afternoon, we discussed future uh, challenges and future opportunities for transport and transport policy. So this is very much connected to my own uh, research. Um, So I'm a historian and a political scientist by uh, background, and I'm particularly particularly interested in urban transport. Mm -hmm. So my research aims um, to identify patterns and processes throughout the years. As um, the writer Santayana said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. So that's very much what we're trying to avoid. Uh, Okay, Uh, so speaking about the past, um, how has transport evolved over the last 50 years? So what some of the speakers discussed and what what we've looked at in the context of our our work is um, this phase uh, following the Second World War Mm -hmm. when the uh, combination of the rapid economic growth, uh, the cheap oil prices and the other societal uh, changes led to a boom uh, of the private motorized vehicle or the motorized vehicles in general. So cars became um, very popular and they also became a symbol of freedom. So people used their cars to get away during the weekend, to um, commute to work. It also became a, a symbol of success. It was very much associated, you know, with kind of social status, uh, an object um, showing social status. Yeah. And what happened then is that public authorities uh, started to accommodate the demand for this car use. So that uh, led to the um, building of extensive highway infrastructures mm-hmm. and also uh, parking facilities, for example. Um, and on the academic, in from the academic um, point of view, the focus at that time was very much uh, about how to improve road traffic, so road traffic engineering, um, 
how to keep increasing numbers of vehicles moving on the roads, mm -hmm. traffic control, yeah. uh, modeling of movement. So that was the focus of, of the time. Um, of course, all of that had an impact on urban transports. There's uh, famously a French president in the 70s who said that cities must adapt to the car. So mm -hmm. cities were uh, transformed radically in some cases yeah. to make space for the use of cars. So yeah. that meant extending um, roads, again, building parking infrastructures, using space that was perhaps previously dedicated to uh, pedestrian facilities or um, in some cases um, horse carriages facilities okay. to to transform that to accommodate this demand for, for car use. Yeah. Um, that led to a radical increase in in car use because mm -hmm. the more uh, infrastructure one builds for car use, the more cars we're going to see in cities. Yeah. Um, and in urban areas, of course, that also led to increased and in some cases very severe congestion because yeah. cities are not by nature designed to accommodate um, large vehicles because yeah. they've got high densities and they simply haven't got the space yeah. for that. So very uh, quickly the consequences of this rapid car use began mm -hmm. to be um, felt yeah. by um, by city dwellers and uh, everybody else, um, especially in urban areas. So with congestion um, came the um, a range of very unpleasant uh, side effects such yeah. as acute uh, noise, pollution, uh, road safety issues, some issues around equity and social inequity, the cities being um, is spreading out urban sprawl mm -hmm. and um, that's very much to, you know, all the way until the 80s that's when people became aware that there was a very high price to pay for this use of, of private vehicle okay um, and so what was the sort of response from sort of public authorities and academics were there was there a big move sort of against the car it did, it did lead to a new phase in uh, urban policies and urban studies that really focused on three key aspects. First, dealing with the problems caused by this first phase of automobility. Mm -hmm. So we had a range of academics, for example, focusing on solving road safety issues, or starting to look at pollution issues. Okay. Um, second, public authorities and academics really started to focus on how um, to pro how will we provide an alternative to car use in cities, and that that really um, was to start with through increasing collective transport yeah. in our cities, so mass transit, etc. And the third point was putting in place demand management policies. So public okay. authorities really started to think about how to encourage people to use collective transport more or to walk more yeah. instead of using their, their private motorized vehicles. Okay. So this phase uh, was um, 
characterized uh, by some, um, including Professor Peter Jones, who's the director of CTS, as the planning for people, planning for movement okay. uh, phase, instead of the planning for vehicle phase that yeah. preceded. And in many um, European cities, this phase was initiated in the 80s or a little bit later in the 90s. Okay. Oh, cool. Um, so is this uh, like a global phenomenon or is it sort of regionally specific? When you talk about sort of cities that are adapted to the car, what springs to mind for me personally anyway is places like Birmingham or San Francisco maybe, but they're very sort of Western cities. Is this like a theme that you've seen around the world or is it sort of predominantly restricted to sort of developed economies? See, what we see and um, what the data show is that there is a correlation or there seems to be a correlation yeah. between GDP and uh, car use. So okay. as a country's GDP increases, yeah. car use, car ownership levels and car use levels tend to increase. So there seems to be a, a correlation that okay. is linked to the economic uh, wealth of a country. It's also yeah. linked with uh, petrol oil prices. Um, so that's what we've noticed. Yes. Okay. So it, it tends to it tends to happen whenever um, um, economic growth happens. Okay. Uh, so where where are we now then? We've sort of beyond the 80s and 90s. What's the the state uh, at the moment? So now some academics refer to the current phase as the peak car, potentially peak car phase, because okay. we might be witnessing peak car phenomenon. It yeah. is uh, debated, but uh, in some cities, especially Western uh, European cities, yeah. we since the year 2000s, we have seen a decrease in car use, so a gradual decrease in car uh, car use, not necessarily car ownership levels, but car use level. Okay. Um, so this is the case in London, this is the case in Paris, this is yeah. also the case in Vienna, Copenhagen. Um, and in parallel, we've, we have also witnessed a, a new wave of urbanism or, or planning mm -hmm. that is very much focused on creating healthier and more pleasant and sustainable environments where people can walk where people can cycle, where the space ded dedicated to cars is, is actually reduced. So this has led to a range of policy measures such as congestion charge, improving cycling and, and rail-based infrastructures, uh, provision of cleaner vehicles, for example. Mm -hmm. So at the Center for Transport Studies, uh, for instance, we have a team of researchers who focus on improving are pedestrian facilities. Yeah. So by changing the shape of our sidewalks or by changing the composition uh, of our pedestrian infrastructure. Yeah. And other researchers here at CTS uh, look at how to engineer uh, livable cities, uh, for example, by using a system, s system thinking approach. So that's combining policy um, across sectors, so the energy, linking the energy policies with the health policies, with the transport policies. So okay. by, by taking a, a kind of cross-sectorial um, approach, yeah. we can solve our, our problems, uh, whether they are engineering or policies, policy problems, we can solve them um, in a more effective way. Okay. 
Um, so you mentioned briefly that um, car ownership hasn't fallen, but car use has. Is mm. that? Is, could you explain a little bit more about that? Yes. Yeah, so car ownership um, levels seem to be relatively stable okay. on average across the country, um, but car use is going down. So a pot- potential explanation is that people still are still attached to owning a mm-hmm. private vehicle and they want to use it, for example, during the weekend to go away or to, to, to travel, yeah. but they're not using it to commute to go to work every day. So that that's a potential explanation uh, we're, we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Car ownership levels might be going down. It's difficult to predict, yeah. um, but it looks like they're relatively stable for now. Okay, cool. Mm. Um, so in terms of the the future of, of transport, uh, are we able to predict any sort of future trends at all? As always, it's very difficult to <laughs> predict the future. However, we can talk about the current trends and what is likely to con- continue over yeah. the coming years. So uh, increasingly, uh, policymakers and, and, of course, academics are focusing on IT improvements, use of big data, mm-hmm. and automation. Yeah. So, for instance, here at UCL, we have been looking at automated vehicles and how their use could reshape our transport systems and our societies. Automation and connectivity do have the potential to increase the efficiency of our transport systems. Yeah. And and we do desperately need increased efficiency because our current transport systems are um, struggling to cope with the growing urban population. So yeah. this is another trend mm-hmm. that is set to continue. So cities are continuously growing mm-hmm. and the transport systems, you know, the people who live in a city like London and who commute to work during rush hour know very well what I'm talking about this. Yeah. In some cases, people have to wait um, for before they can get on the underground because yeah. the system is completely saturated. Yeah. So we do need increased efficiency and IT improvements, automation, and um, big, the use of big data mm-hmm. could help us, okay. uh, could make significant um, difference. Now, on the other hand, some of us also wonder and worry yeah. that those changes, especially um, when it comes to automation and um, a sh- shared, um, shared the shared economy, mm-hmm. could lead potentially to a new phase of automobility where old, dirty vehicles, privately owned, might be replaced by new, green, automated, shared vehicles. Yeah. So, of course, it would solve a, a number of issues, but it yeah. wouldn't solve congestion issues and okay. other issues related to the urban, sca- the urban space and the urban landscape. Yeah. So, some problems would remain unresolved, such as the lack of physical activity or um, the common use of um, public space, yeah. the um, pleasantness of our environment. Yeah. 
So the question is, you know, perhaps my parting thought is, yeah. will history repeat itself? Mm -hmm. Or will we be sufficiently aware to avoid the eternal return? Yeah. Uh, some very big questions to go <laughs> home with there. Um, thanks very much for joining us, Clemence. Uh, and thanks very much to everyone at home for listening. Um, if you enjoyed this, don't forget to follow us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Keep up to date uh, with all of our new episodes. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Uh, see you next time. Thank you.